0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, October 15th. After 11 years in Calgary's top job, Mayor Nahed Nenshi will soon hand over the keys to the city. So for his final time as Calgary's Mayor, we checked in with Nahed Nenshi to talk about his thoughts on Calgary's progress over the years under his leadership and to get his thoughts ahead of Monday's municipal election. Listen in, because the mayor sure had lots to say. It's news we've been waiting for, well, for about 20 months now. The U.S. will soon open up the land border to fully vaccinated Canadians. Jackson Prosco, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News, joined us with breaking news on exactly when Canadian motorists will again be able to drive into the U.S. And October is a spooky month thanks to Halloween, but some would say it's also the scariest financial month for investors. Is there any validity to the October effect? We break down what it is and why we need to have a financial advisor as we check in with Jeremy Clark, president and CEO of CH Financial. Well, after 11 years in Calgary's top job, Mayor Nahed Nenshi will hand over the keys to the city following Monday's municipal election. So for his final time as Calgary's mayor, we say good morning to Nahed Nenshi. Hopefully not the last time we say good morning to you, but last time we address you as Mr. Mayor. How are you feeling and have you picked your
1: vacation destination yet? Well, good morning, French. Uh, <laughs> wow, uh, yeah, it's the last one, isn't that nuts? It is. I can't um,
0: believe it. I bet you can't either.
1: I can't either, but I'm sure we'll be on again. I have a big mouth, you know. You'll you'll probably interview me as you know angry man. Yes, uh, upset about neighborhood cats or something. Can't wait. Can't wait for <laughs> sure. In the future, um, we're going to book you in for next week. week actually, on vacation that one, because this darn COVID thing. Um, but uh, it 's crazy i 'm working so hard. I just got back from my last mayor 's meeting in Ottawa, still pushing the urban agenda. I just have a ton of stuff to do i 'm done being mayor uh eleven fifty nine a m october twenty fifth and not that i 'm counting and i feel I feel like i 'll be working until eleven fifty eight a m that day and then boom, just done uh, so that 's going to be weird.
2: So what would you say is the biggest difference about Calgary today compared to when you became mayor in 2010?
1: So many. um, You know, we tend to forget how much the city has grown. So we've grown by almost 50% um, Mm. in that time, in those 11 years. And, of course, the economy has completely shifted. uh, Energy, for better or worse, uh, has become less uh, of an Uh, It's still the most important, but a less big part of our economy. Uh, Certainly, uh, the diversity of the city has shifted. One in three of us are not white now. Mm -hmm. And it's really a fundamentally different place. And yes, we've invested in a lot of great things. You remember 11 years ago, we were always behind in infrastructure, building new neighborhoods. And then it would take years or decades to build out uh, the services that people needed, but rec centers and libraries Biggest investment in roads in our history. Biggest investment in transit in our history. Uh, All of that together, I think, has just made the place a better place to live.
0: Mayor, we keep hearing how, you know, the mayor is just one more vote. One of the many votes when it comes to certain issues. But what do you think is important for the mayor in this role? What does a mayor need to be able to do here in the city and beyond?
1: You know, it is and it is not true that the mayor is only one vote. It is true. It is a legislative role, not an executive role. So it's not like the Premier or the Prime Minister where the civil service reports to you. Uh, In this case, people report to all of council. But it also is not. Um, And that's why, by the way, it's important that you really pay attention to your city councillor races. There's some pretty bad characters running for city council. Uh, And they do have a lot of power once they're elected. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand... um, you know, the mayor does set the agenda, literally sets the agenda for council, but sets the agenda for the city. You know, very few things go to council without the mayor's stamp of approval. So there really is a role that you have to play that is a leadership role because ultimately you have 15,000 colleagues of the city looking to you to provide uh, that kind of leadership. And so it means you gotta be kind. Um, You've got to be thoughtful, you've got to respect your council colleagues and public servants in a big way. Uh, And I'm very frustrated. I'm sure we'll get to that about a couple of things that were said this week in the mayoral debates that were frankly false, misleading and insulting. Um, But also, uh, you really have to understand that citizens are smart. Don't give them glib answers and sound bites. If it's a complicated problem, help them understand that there are complicated solutions. You know, my favorite thing in 11 years is when people would walk up to me and say, you know, Mayor, I disagreed with that thing that you did, but I totally understand why you did it. And when people said that, that's when I knew that I had succeeded in being transparent and in helping people understand the complexity of our decisions and earning their trust, even if they didn't always agree.
2: Yes, okay, so we've got about a minute and 20 seconds here, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> what is um, sticking in your craw about this particular election?
1: Well, people should go back and watch the two final debates this week, which were bonkers. Um, uh, you know, Councillor Davidson saying who, and Councillor Davidson and Farkas were uh, big proponents, big enthusiastic proponents of Jason Kenney's uh, open for summer, best summer ever. And now they're saying somehow that Councillor Gondex caused the fourth wave because she was critical of the provincial government like bonkers but the thing that uh, bothers me the most is councillor farkas made an allegation this week that city staff were skimming uh, money from the development industry which was a lie and insulting to the professionalism of city staff councillor farkas is the vice chair of the audit committee it's the only leadership position he took in four years He should have known better. He does know better. That, in fact, it was just the opposite. That city staff figured out a way to better fund some of the new development infrastructure on the edges of the city because they realized that we could use the interest on these accounts to pay for more infrastructure, and we fully funded 15 years' worth of it. And for him to insinuate that there was bad behavior going on, listen, he needs to retract it. He needs to apologize before the election. But let's remember there's a history of misleading people on with that councillor he was censured by the integrity commissioner uh, for misleading voters and he refused to apologize you know there's a lot of good things about that man but that is not leadership and you cannot start being mayor by insulting demeaning and lying about the people who do the work every day we
0: are talking to current calgary mayor Nahid Nenshi. can you hang on a couple of minutes and we'll uh, bring you I back sh- just a couple of last questions for you
1: I sure
2: can. Mornings with Sudiel and Andrew Schultz. Mike Tarasco filling in for Andrew today and uh, heading back to the mayor who joins us. Well, for the last time as mayor anyway, Nahid Nenci has promised that he will come back and talk about cats at some point with us. <laughs> but while we have him today, Mr. Nenshi, you have overseen this city through a lot of very interesting times. You've worked with six premiers. There's been four states of local emergency under your watch what stands out to you as the one thing that you are most proud of in your tenure
1: it's a hard question for me to answer because calgarians not me calgarians have done so much uh for the city in so much time but i want to talk about something we very rarely talk about and if i can be feisty i'll say something we very rarely talk about on other shows on this station um And that is the remarkable progress that we have made in what I call transforming government from day one. I don't think a lot of Calgarians understand that our civic government is the envy of every government in Canada. We have reduced the cost of government over the last 11 years by a billion dollars. We've taken a billion dollars out of the system without cutting frontline services. In fact, investing in frontline services. We've been leaders in cutting red tape. Removing waste, putting technology in place to deliver better services, and that's why our taxes are something you never hear, particularly in other shows on this station. That's why our taxes are the lowest in the country. Uh, we've been able to do that, but I should point out that we are in a period of hyperinflation. You've seen it at the grocery store. You and I, and all of us, are frustrated with one hundred and forty or dollar forty-three uh, a liter oil uh, mm-hmm. gasoline. Mm-hmm. And just think about how many gas tanks the city has to fill every day, buses and garbage trucks uh, and police cars and tire trucks. And so we've got a great base. We've left some money in the bank so that the new mayor and new council can do great things they want to do. But I want to be clear, because I've always been honest. If someone is promising you a four-year tax freeze and extra investments in our biggest department, the police, because they know how to run the police better than the police chief does, it's just not possible. The only way to do that is either to really cut the small departments like parks or recreation or uh, to use up all our savings account to paper over the deficit which is misleading so i'm very very proud of the fact that we have built the most efficient government at any order of government in federal municipal or provincial in canada and uh zero-based budgeting all that stuff and i really hope that Whoever comes in on council understands what they've got and doesn't mess it up.
0: Well, Mr. Mayor, I mean, obviously, in, in a role like yours, you're going to have some critics. But overall, there's a reason why you've been sitting in that chair for so many years. Uh, I know how many hours you put in daily, every day. And I'm grateful for, for you know, ha- what a wonderful representative you are for the city of Calgary. So thank you always for joining us on Fridays to Chat. And we really do hope that we uh, have a chance to check in with you once you leave and go on a little holiday and sleep in and just start watching cat videos.
1: Thank you. I have one last thank you as well. Uh, well, two last thank yous real quick. One is thank you to the citizens for taking a risk on a better future 11 years ago on this nerdy, schlumpy professor. Um, and, you know, a recent poll said I have a 65% approval rating after 11 years. And I never look at that stuff, but I'll tell you that made me feel good. Um, but my biggest thank you um, that I have not given enough of is a thank you to you, to you guys and through you to the media. There has been a really rough decade for media business, and it's been really hard. But if we don't have people like you every single day asking the hard questions, putting us on the spot, telling Calgarians the stories they need to hear, you know, we're nowhere. And your station has never faltered in having someone full-time at City Hall, Aurelio Perry for many years, Adam Toy now making sure you're investing and making sure Calgarians know what's happening. And that is a special thing. And I wanted to thank you for it.
0: Well, thank you. And thanks for joining us this morning. We'll be uh, watching to see where you end up next. Thank you, Mayor. Yes,
2: thank you, Mr. Mayor. Take good care. As the executive producer, a big thank you for that, for that note about media. It, it's been a tough goal, but mm-hmm. we, we do appreciate our jobs and we appreciate uh, you appreciating us.
1: Take care.
0: Thank you, Mayor. That is Calgary Mayor Nahed Menchie.
2: That's well, it's the news we've been waiting for, well, a long time right now, <laughs> about 20 months or so. U.S. soon to open its border up so that we can cross over by land. Joining us to break down this and all the latest U.S. news is Jackson Prosco, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Jackson. Good morning and happy Friday. Yes, you too. And I hear you have some breaking news on this for us.
3: I do. Uh, You can be the first to hear it from me that November 8th will be the date that the U.S. opens its border to fully vaccinated non-essential Canadian travelers. So if you'd like to drive across the border on November 8th and you're fully vaccinated, you will be allowed to do so for the first time since March March 21st of 2020. Wow, it's been a
2: long haul.
0: Yeah, November 8th, that is great news. We can mark it in our calendars for sure, but there are some caveats uh, about that, right? So uh, we have a little clip we're going to play, and then we'll talk about how soon or or what we need to do and know when we want to cross the border and head to the states and then return to the the country so we've got a little clip we'll play here for you
1: I'm going to be traveling from the U.S. to Canada this afternoon I had to get a PCR test and I'm glad that I did because that is an example of a continued prudent and careful policy
0: Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland there. So that is still the caveat we need to know about, even though we will be able to travel as of November 8th.
3: That's right. So essentially what it comes down to is that uh, despite the closeness of the, Can- of the Canada-U.S. relationship, they have two completely different sets of rules going forward. And so if you want to drive into the U.S., um, you will be asked at the border if you are vaccinated. The U.S. border guards may or may not require proof, but they will certainly ask you if you're vaccinated. It's likely that proof would only be required in secondary screening. But you do not need a test to drive into the United States. But to come back into Canada, you do need a test and you still need to use the ArriveCan app. So, yeah, it's a bit confusing for travelers, and I think the testing requirement on the Canadian side is likely to limit the amount of cross-border traffic for the foreseeable future, because if you've got to pay for a test, even if you just want to pop across the border uh, for the day to do some cross-border shopping, Mm -hmm. that's expensive, right? Yes, you can get the test in Canada, drive across, and... cross back with that same test in the 72 hour window but it's expensive it's an added step so i think it will still limit traffic
2: and jackson how are americans responding to the fact that hey you know what Uh, america's opening its border to canadians don't require a a test but if i'm an american or a canadian or anybody else for that matter i want to drive over the canada land border well sorry you need a test
3: yeah, I think there is certainly some frustration on that part. I know that some of the members of Congress uh, from border places like upstate New York have essentially called on Canada to lift the testing requirement, and they're saying, you know, vaccination alone should be enough. But as of right now, the Canadian government is erring on the side of caution. And yesterday I was actually uh, at that press conference with Krista Freeland, the clip you played there, and she essentially said, look, Canada's overly cautious strategy has worked. And she told me earlier this week, effectively, that, uh, you know, we are so close to the line. Finish- line here that holding on to these restrictions a little while longer is probably prudent at this point.
0: Fair enough. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit, Jackson. Supply chain issues. We certainly heard about this throughout the pandemic and the U.S. is, is, is said to be facing a crisis now.
3: Yeah, essentially what's happening, and this is coming soon to Canada, in fact, in many ways this is in Canada already as well, is that there is a huge backup, especially when it comes to the ports that, of course, uh, are the place of entry for most of those imported products. And so the Port of Los Angeles, for example, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of cargo ships sitting off the coast of L.A., unable to unload because there's a shortage of spaces at the ports, there's a shortage of workers, there's a shortage of truck drivers to move those products across the country, and a shortage of workers in retail where Houses to distribute those products, and what that means is, as you go into the stores, you're seeing more and more empty shelves. If you're trying to build a house, you're finding construction materials in short supply, car parts in short supply. It's all cascading and snowballing. And so, this week, President Biden announced a plan that is effectively going to allow ports, for example, to work 24/7. Uh, he's got private industry leaders like Walmart and Costco on board with plans to warehouse their operations or run their warehouse operations 24/7, really to try and ease these shortages. But more and more, we're hearing these big companies say hey if there is something specific you want especially for the holidays think about ordering it now
2: yeah i've, I've heard that actually quite a bit if uh especially toys right because toys are going to be the big thing this well i mean it's always a big thing at christmas, christmas to get your yeah. toys so if you want to get your hands on that hot toy get out to the stores right now and try to track it down right
3: yeah, but even if you're thinking about doing home renovations, buying a new mm. house, building mm. a new house months down the line, uh, some industry experts are saying start ordering those products now because you may find some of those parts and, and random things like electrical boxes and plumbing parts are in short supply at the moment.
0: Uh, definitely, as you said, it's something we're seeing in Canada and we'll doubt, no doubt see more of too. You know, in terms of job openings in the States, it sounds like there's a, a labour shortage problem as well. What's the situation there?
3: Boy, is there ever. You know, this is another spillover from the pandemic where essentially uh, people have either been collecting, you know, federal unemployment benefits that were meant to tide them over during the pandemic or they've simply decided they're not interested in reentering the workforce in their old roles. And so you're seeing a lot of service industry jobs in particular uh, th- that they're desperate to hire people right now. In fact, uh, just last week, uh, I missed you all. I was away on vacation. Sorry about that. We but miss uh, you. while I was away on vacation in North Carolina, every single restaurant had signs up saying help wanted. And the restaurants that are open are doing so in a very limited capacity, not because of COVID restrictions, but because they don't have the staff to actually run their restaurants at full capacity.
2: And is that uh, what are the the leaders in the state saying about this uh, as far as are, are they simply blaming it on on the government continuing to dole out COVID uh, relief or is there more to it?
3: You know, I think it's it's sort of a whole complicated scenario and and people have different reasons for not reentering the workforce in the way they were previously. But certainly that has been a big part of it. And I think they're trying to figure out how to address this labor shortage in the long term to make sure that it doesn't start to hurt the economy.
0: Jackson, U.S. Supreme Court has some decisions coming soon that could potentially have ripples right across the country. What are some of the cases that they're going to be hearing?
3: Yeah, I think abortion is the biggest one you will be hearing about. And, uh, it, you know, all these various state challenges, like we're seeing in Texas, for example, are setting the stage for a broader challenge at the Supreme Court that could really, uh, seek to overturn Roe versus Wade, the landmark decision for the 1970s that enshrined abortion rights in law. So that is the biggest thing we're watching. Uh, and really that will start to come up in December.
2: And one more item, Steve Bannon. Now, obviously, the January 6th committee continues to dig into what happened there and who's getting the blame and all that other stuff. What was his role? Yeah, so essentially Bannon has been
3: subpoenaed to testify uh, before the committee that's investigating all of this, and he has so far refused to comply about uh, uh, with uh, requests for documents and for a deposition about his communications with President Trump and the White House in the lead up to the January sixth insurrection on the Capitol. Uh, where we're at right now is that Bannon refused to comply on Tuesday. That committee will hold a vote as to whether or not to hold him in contempt, and if that moves its way through the chain, and he is prosecuted by the Attorney General here in D.C. for refusing. to comply, he could be looking at a fine or prison time. Uh, Bannon's argument is that his communications with President Trump are covered by executive privilege, uh, but that is something that the Biden administration has refused to uphold so far.
0: Thanks, Jackson, for the update. Have a great weekend. Happy Friday to you.
2: You too. Take care.
0: Thank you, Jackson Prosko, our Washington Bureau Chief for Global News.
2: Yeah, a couple of texts coming in reacting to the border opening and the the different rules between Canada and the U.S. Uh, Tina saying, leave it to the Canadian government to continue to make it difficult with this whole border (laughs) thing. Follow the science, get vaccinated, but we still make it expensive and inconvenient as possible.
0: And Gail says, I don't mind doing a PCR test to get back into Canada, but maybe drop the price. Yeah. 190 bucks is outrageous. 25 to 40 maybe may be more reasonable. And I think more people would be willing to spend that to cross the border. Good point.
2: Of course, October is a spooky month, thanks to Halloween. But some would say it's also the scariest financial month for investors is this true with all the details on the quote-unquote october effect we're joined by jeremy clark president and ceo of ch financial good morning jeremy
4: good morning mike how are you today
2: i'm great thanks Uh, thanks for joining us first of all explain to us what is the october effect well the october effect is something
4: uh not quite sure when it started but there's been a few times in history where there's been significant stock market crashes in october started in october 1929, the start of the Great Depression. In 1987, the so-called Black Monday, uh, one of the worst trading days in history. So that was sort of the, the origin of it. Um, but it's sort of taken on a life of its own now, and it's historically or commonly known that uh, October is the worst month for investing.
0: And Jeremy, is there any validity to that? Should we be particularly wary in October?
4: There's really not that much validity. In fact, if you look since the start of the millennium, which uh, is 21 years ago now, hard to believe, but um, the three significant downturns, one started in March of 2000, um, 2008, that started in September. And then, of course, COVID last year, that started in March. So um, even those three data points, uh, big significant uh, downturns, none of those started in October.
2: Mm. Uh, What other psychological investment barriers might people have?
4: Well, uh, a big one is this, this old adage of sell in May and go away. And I think part of it is just because it rhymes. People like, people like that. <laughs> it is catchy. Uh, it is catchy. Um, and I actually think that was probably started back in the day when just a very few people could actually trade stocks, which, is, of course, is not the case these days. So it was sort of this clubby little world where, um, you know, the brokers would go on vacation for, for two or three months in the summer and nothing really happened. But that's, that's really not the case with the amount of, easy access people have right now to to trading pretty much anything they want on the stock market.
0: Jeremy, I, I know you're going to be a little biased with this answer, but um, legitimately so. There are a, a lot of apps available right now, let's face it. So why not just invest on my own? Why do I need a financial planner?
2: You, could,
4: you certainly can invest on your own. And so you make a good point that, it, you know, it, it is easy to do so. Um, what's more difficult is to stick to a plan for the medium or long term. Um, If you look at trading patterns of people trading stocks on their own, um, generally the hold period, the time they hold on to these securities, is not very long. Usually, it's actually less than a quarter. Um, it's less than three months. And uh, those people that have an advisor really of, of any type tend to hold on to things for longer. And that's that's almost always when you see the real benefit of investing is investing and sticking with whatever the plan is, sticking with it over over an extended period of time.
2: Well, thank you very much, Jeremy. I appreciate your time. And uh, if anything, I've learned from this, it's, it's not not to be afraid of ghosts that might invade my portfolio because it's October.
4: <laughs> true and don't just believe things just because they rhyme <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is fair fair. Enough. That's Jeremy Clark, president and CEO of CH Financial.
0: Great reminders. I mean, we talk to Dave and Faisal daily, right and they they oftentimes will give us that reminder. and you know, Dave and Faisal are options. CH Financial is an option. but you really should have somebody looking after your investments. A little bit of money to, you know, maybe mad money that you invest yourself. Yeah. But, I mean, we don't know well enough. Yeah. And Can you depend on that for your yeah, future? I know,
2: I know a few people that invest on their own on the side, right? 100% but, though? Um, That's very, scary. The, not 100%, no. Yeah. Like, they're not taking their life savings. Mm-hmm. My dad actually has recently gotten in, gotten into trading stocks online. And yep. uh, he But my mom says she keeps him on a strict <laughs> Exactly. Week. You're only allowed this much per week right. to invest. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it gives them a bit of a hobby, but also possibly reap the rewards of solid research, Mm -hmm. um, and, and gives them something to do. Right. So that's great for him. But yes, on the other end, like if you're a younger person and you're, you're trying to make sure that you've got that money there to retire on when you get older, a financial planner is probably a safer bet.
0: Best to be careful how you look after your money for sure. Thanks for
2: downloading and listening to the podcast.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review for free at Apple. Podcast, Google Play, or
2: wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.